0: As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. This morning, brothers and sisters, we are again at the beginning of a story always told in these middle weeks of the Advent season. We've arrived again at the story of the last great prophet of Israel and of the Old Covenant and the first great prophet of what will become the new covenant. We've arrived at the story of John the Baptist. Next Sunday, we will hear again the famous Advent words of John the Baptist as they will ring out across the ancient desert and over the Jordan River, landing right here among us over 2,000 years later. But this morning, in the Gospel of Luke, we simply find ourselves at the introduction to this great story. Before we enter into the words and actions of John the Baptist, we are first receiving an opening explanation of who this wild man of the desert is, when he lived, where he comes from, and what he is suddenly sent out to do. In a way, it is a generous reprieve, I think, one extra Sunday before John the Baptist unleashes on all of us his fiery words and warnings but even if it saves us from the tough preaching of the Baptist out in the desert, in actuality, I believe this introduction is as important and has just as much, if not more, to say to prepare us for what's coming next in the gospel. And it all begins with this. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was the ruler of Galilee and his brother Philip was the ruler of the regions of Ataria and Trachonitis and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, one of the favorite readings of the clergy every three years. During the priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah. We have seven names of seven political and religious rulers of that time that begin our gospel reading this morning. Seven important names of power and prestige laid out for us before we really make it to the focal point of the whole story, the word of God and John, son of Zechariah. It is Luke's unique way of opening up the story of John the Baptist. The gospels of Matthew, Mark, and John begin in a totally different way. Each of the other gospel writers jump right into the action of the story with the words and the testimony we've all come to know from John the Baptist. But the writer of the gospel of Luke, as we will see throughout these opening chapters, has a different approach and a different mission altogether, at least in the beginning. Luke, we discover, is using the hard historical facts of the time and of the place, seven historical and political names and titles, to make absolutely sure that this story of John the Baptist is not mistaken as simply a myth, a wives' tale, or a legend. For Luke and for his readers in the Roman and Greek world of the first century, this puts the story into a real place and location in history well-known and remembered for sure by the people who were first hearing this story 2,000 years ago. And Luke will use this type of historical backing and introduction again in another story that we will be more familiar with. In two weeks, we will all hear it again, because Luke chooses to begin the story of Jesus in the very same way, making sure to add time, location, and history to the unfolding movement of the birth of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And all of us today, we've heard these stories so many times, each and every Advent and into Christmas, and so we take little notice of those hard-to-pronounce names. But remember, for those who first read this gospel story this way, this was perhaps the most important addition to the story that they needed. To know the exact who, the exact when, and the exact where, just as it is in our own news stories that we receive today, was to come close to having the proof that one needed to back up the story as being true and proven. Physical, political, and geographical truth, and not simply a made-up tale or religious metaphor, as many were certainly saying, in those early days. So let's listen one more time to these names. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea and Herod was the ruler of Galilee, at the time of Philip and Lysanias and the high priest of Jerusalem, Annas and Caiaphas, in those exact days and places, the word of God came to John son of Zechariah in the wilderness. That's how we begin this great movement of the Advent story of John the Baptist. And as we move further, this morning's gospel starts immediately revealing something else even greater, even more important, more moving and more powerful. In fact, it is the revelation that is part and parcel of the very foundation on which Christian faith emerges and makes its way into the world from that place where John lives and preaches. For as important as those names may have been to the history of that time, the revelation of Luke and his story this morning is that those rulers of ancient Rome, Israel, and Palestine, and those great high priests of ancient Judaism are really nothing for us but a backdrop to the important part of the story. None of them are the ones who are chosen to pick up and carry the prophecy of Isaiah. Instead, the new covenant, which God is about to manifest to his people to change them and to change the world, will rise up out of the proverbial opposite side of the tracks. For the word of God is choosing the son of a lesser Jewish priest who rather than following after his good father, Zechariah, and staying in the temple of Jerusalem, is instead made the decision to follow God out into the Judean wilderness, all the way to the low, desolate country around the Jordan River. It is here where the geography begins to take over the history in the story. Because if you've ever spent any time at all reading about the Jordan River and about the region of the world that the Jordan River runs through east of Jerusalem, then you already know that it is a region literally at the very bottom of the earth. The Jordan runs southward from the west side of the Fertile Crescent region of Lebanon and Syria down through the desert wilderness of Israel to the lowest point in the world below sea level. The salty river waters of the Jordan end in a great body of water that is appropriately known today as the Dead Sea. And it is there this morning, not on the Temple Mount, not in the governor's office, not in a Roman fortress somewhere. It is there at the Dead Sea where John, the son of Zechariah, known simply as the Baptist, will begin his proclamation of a hard message of repentance and baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And it is within that place and that theology, down in that low world, where he will begin preaching the way of the Lord who is coming. Yes, this morning, it is from the bottom that the path will begin to be made straight. The low valleys will suddenly be lifted up and those great high mountains will be laid low. The crooked path straightened and the rough places smoothed. And why does God begin this final act of salvation at the geographical and spiritual bottom of creation? Well, it is so that everything in creation might have a fighting chance to be caught up in the rising message of hope, embraced and restored through that message. This is why the gospel for this second Sunday of Advent ends with the transformational words of Isaiah's prophecy and John's own preparation. It says, all flesh shall have the opportunity to see the salvation of God. Brothers and sisters, For all flesh to see the salvation of God, that salvation has to start moving from so far down below everything on earth so that as it moves upward in words and actions and discipleship, everyone and everything has a fair chance to be included. The world out there may very well be a place where everything is set to start from the very top and to trickle down from great leaders in great places of worldly power. But our God loved creation so much that God chooses to begin at the lowest point in order to flow like the waters of our own St. John's River upward and catch everyone so that we all might be restored and reshaped and raised up out of death and darkness and transferred transformed into the eternal light and life. This is the magic place of Christianity that begins at the low point, not at the high point, so that all may be saved. That's our earth-shaking introduction this morning to the story of John the Baptist and to the God we believe in as the one who is coming, whose path is being made straight, Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but it certainly feels to me again on this rainy second day of Advent, more than 2,000 years later, like we ourselves might be living awfully close to that bottom place in the world in our own challenging days. All these years later, our world is again darkened by violence and evil that hearkens us back to a time of historic barbarism amongst the people and beyond the world outside and the darkness out there overtaking our community and nation, isn't that enough? But how many of us find our own selves pushed down near the very bottom in these dark days in our own personal lives? Maybe it's in the hum and the grind of money and finances this time of year. Maybe it's unexpected illness Maybe it's just the want and the need for something else, even though we can't seem to find out exactly what that something else must be. It's just what can begin to take place when holidays arrive and when our expectations are geared up so high by our material culture and when life can take sudden unexpected turns that we're not prepared to walk through. But I have to tell you something. Knowing just how far down our God was willing to go to begin his act of salvation keeps me from losing hope no matter how dark this world becomes. It allows me to stand upright and keep moving forward no matter how hard life can throw its hard rocks at me. Because I know, brothers and sisters, and you know, if you understand this story, you know where we're headed You know what is already rushing towards us, what light is coming our way. Brothers and sisters, the season of Advent always begins in darkness. It always starts at the bottom. It begins at the bottom of the world with John the Baptist standing in the middle of the Jordan River. And then it moves to the bottom of Jewish culture and society with the story of an underage girl who's suddenly pregnant and an aging, confused carpenter trying to take care of her. And it ends at the very bottom of humanity with a tiny baby wrapped not in nice garments and the clothes of a king, but wrapped in rags placed in a cattle trough in an animal pen. It begins there, brothers and sisters, so that it can be sure to have the opportunity to catch all of us up and sustain all of us and continue to lift us higher and higher as the children of God we were created to be in the image of God in which we were made out of the darkness and into eternal life. So friends, let's begin to get ready Prepare ye the way of the Lord, for he is coming. Make his paths straight.